Hello and welcome to the Saturday Down South podcast. He is Chris Marler. I am Connor Jura. Marler, what do we do? I, what do I honestly do? don't know how this happened. Um, I w- so, you know, little peel behind the onion. We're going to have a few peels behind the onion today. So many peels. Just an awesome blossom of a podcast that we have coming mm-hmm. at you. Um, and I'm sure a, a few of you are probably confused as to why we chose this game and what we're doing right now with our lives in general. <laughs> You're um, looking at the title thinking to yourself, why in the world are you doing this? Why are you trolling Tennessee? I'm sure it's not, they're not saying, why are you? They're saying, why is Marler doing this? Why, yes, Marler did not Marler? make this. Just, okay, so do you, do you want to tell the story of why we're doing this specific game? Because it is obviously very, very different than any game that we've ever done for Just Meant More. So, if you listen to the end of the podcast we always do on Monday, we talk about what we're going to have coming next, which is always, the next thing we record is Adjustment More. And each and every time Connor brings it up, I forget, or remember for the first time in a week, that we have to record that again. So, that is the first time I start thinking of what game we should do, like, in that moment. We have, like, a list and all that kind of stuff, like, you know, that we that we go over, but usually I'm like, you know what you should do? Why don't we just, why don't we just reach out to the audience? See what they want to do. And Connor, because he's smarter than I am. Um, <laughs> I've been says, telling you this for a long time. You know what, man? That might not be our best idea. Why don't we give them options? And I was like, no, no, no. They can do it. I believe in it. And, and real quick, it's not that I don't have faith in our audience. Yeah. I, I, I absolutely do. I, I really do. And, and, and I'm going to make this clear. I'm happy that w- what turned out to be a weird situation, I am thrilled that it turned out this yeah. way. But I have long since push back on that because I don't owe, like when we put it up to the audience, it turns into a little bit of a popularity contest. And then I don't want it to feel like, ah, we're doing this game just because of this person. And maybe it doesn't have significant ties that we can really get into. And a lot of, you know, I like doing these games when I feel like we can answer the question, what would have happened if the result was flipped? If that question is really fascinating, if we have a lot of different people that maybe we've never talked about before right. and we can really kind of dig into some interesting things. I like going down rabbit holes. That's yeah, mainly for the big reason. But so that is why I've always pushed back on the audience suggested games. So what happened? So, yeah, it was like a mixture of, of like both of our faults because it was yes, me, it was yes. my idea pushing for it, but then Connor's parameters. My parameters were okay. So I said, hey, why don't we do why don't we just do a vote and or a poll, a poll. Mm-hmm. And Connor was like, you know what? Why don't we just say you guys like throw out any kind of suggestion you want in the comments. In the Facebook group. Right. Um, and then whichever suggestion slash comment has the most likes, that's what we're going to pick. And lo and behold, <laughs> Justin Lonazak, um, and they only had like a, a three hour window when, when we posted this before we like made the decision. There's Just, a reason we did that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Justin Lonazak, First comment, first comment, we should Very do first. Tennessee, Georgia State. And around one o'clock, I looked to see, you know, what, what games were in the lead, uh, if you will. And it was just Tennessee and Georgia State. <laughs> and I was like, well, surely somebody will, you know, it's, it's like a lunch break for a lot of people. I'm sure people will like see it and, and not vote that. No, no. Nope. I mean, far and away. It had almost double the amount of, of likes than any other game. So I told Connor, I was like, we got a problem. You were right. I'm an idiot. <laughs> and and like I don't know if it was like a defiant thing or if it was like you know what let's just have some fun let's do this but Connor agreed to do this game and then everything after that was just like like not it was like the most beautiful shit show that could have happened 
We're going to get to more on why that unfolded and why it was such a, a blessing in disguise. But this this situation to me is like when you let your kids make you dinner. Yeah. And then and then instead of eating real food, you get princess toast. Remember that commercial? No. It was like a, a vitamin commercial or something where, Mommy, Mommy, we made you princess toast. It came out like a year ago or something. Okay. Um, and then the mom looks at the kids and is like, I have to eat this. This looks disgusting. I will die if I eat this. It's a good analogy. Um, I, I never saw that commercial, but okay, good. It was on a lot during college football season. Okay. People, pe- some people listening will know exactly what I'm talking about. But essentially, yeah, we let the kids play. And this is what happened. Somebody, somebody had a comment in the Facebook group. This is why we let our SEC dads make these decisions. Like as soon as I, so I went to Facebook Live to make the announcement, and as soon as I brought up like, like what we just said, they're like, "Oh yeah, definitely should have gone with the poll. Poll was the way to go. This was a giant mistake." And then we find out they don't have the full game. I have no idea how it's possible that the full game isn't available online. Or at least but here's on what they do have. At least in. And this is the, the bare minimum of what we need in order to do these episodes. Right. We can't just do highlight clips. I don't like doing highlight clips at all. Like 15, If you want to watch the 15-minute one, if you're re-watching this, you want to yeah. follow along with us, totally get that. That's fine. From our standpoint, to be able to get some of those in-between moments, I always say, give me the full version. If I have to yeah. watch three and a half hours of it, it's worth it. It's fine. Give me all the commentary. I need that. It adds the context that we need in order to provide the deep dives, in my opinion, it does. I like being able to, to have that at our disposal. For this Ryan game, Leaf was the commentator. That's the only reason I made that sound. <sighs> yeah, that's true. This is true. Uh, this game only had a 36-minute, fully clipped, play-by-play of, of, of everything that you saw in this game. It did not have the in-between stuff. And I missed that a little bit. So if you're re-watching this, if you're looking for the full version of it, it's not there on YouTube as of, oh, what is this? 12 minutes ago. AM. Yeah, as of 12 minutes ago, it's not there. So we might not have all of those in-between moments, but we had enough. And as people who watch this game, we certainly remember watching this game, which we did in Atlanta because we were there for your first press box experience. Oh, that's right. That was that day. Yeah. So I was because I was I was staying at your old apartment that day because it was it was Alabama Duke in the in the Chick Fil A kickoff classic right and we came back and, and watched the rest of this game and we we're just like this is this is bananas you just kept thinking um, at some point anyway we'll get we'll get into it we because I think we watched this at, in the press box actually didn't yeah. we and then we watched the highlight we were watching the highlights later in disbelief you know what we were watching later was the Mizzou Wyoming loss and oh, yeah. we were watching that that, that night that so it was tough. like it was just. It was a weird opening day for the SEC, but mainly because of this game, because this was such a massive upset, and it made huge, huge headlines in across college football for those who were looking forward to, you know, year two of the Jeremy Pruitt era and all the stuff that we had been hearing about in the offseason, and quickly, quickly, it faded at the hands of Georgia oh State. Oh my gosh, yeah, it gosh. did. It definitely did. Um... The good news out of all this, though, like I said, this beautiful blank storm that happened. Yesterday, I got the bright idea of, you know what? I was down getting some ice cream. Oh, okay. we have to wait? Save it. Let's save it. Let's save that for, let's save it for a minute. Okay. I, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back to that in a minute here. In a minute. I promise. Before we, before we get to that, Marla, first, can you tell us about our friends at Bet Online? Connor, you're getting so mad. We, were, we should have started at, at 11 because... I'm just I'm ending a tournament, and it's it's still going on. I'm sorry, it, but you know, listen. As far as gambling and SEC football goes, it just means more. 
this isn't Casual Friday. I know. You are violating a rule that I never agreed upon. It I, was it was you who just kind of threw it out there. I'd say what I'm violating is every other person's bank account right now because I am your boy's on fire. Um, <sighs> that being said, I apologize. It's 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 it'll be all all over soon for Vols fans and and you as well with the poker. But regardless, get on over to BetOnline.ag today. Uh, we talk about it each and every week, and football season is rapidly approaching, which means we have actual stuff to gamble on. Um, we've got prop bets. We've got uh, team win totals. We've got Heisman frontrunners. You know that Justin Fields actually passed Trevor Lawrence uh, as the Heisman frontrunner now. Don't vote for either. Of, no, not vote. Don't bet on either. Of yeah, them. that's a, that's a better way always say, don't do that. Um, regardless, you can, you can bet or vote on whoever. You can actually bet on the election. Good way to make some extra money uh, this coming November. So, anyway, go to betonline.ag today. You can bet on sports. You can bet on pop uh, culture stuff. You can bet on politics. You can even play poker till your heart's content. The, the tournament is over. You're welcome. I just won. There you go. How much did you win? Uh, 53. I did uh, get into $832 last night. Finished fourth. Wait, you won $53? Yes. Okay. All right. Well, you said you won a tournament. Usually, you're talking it's about a, like it's a sit and go, so it's like a, a six person tournament. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. All right. Um, this game, as many people know, massive upset for a variety of reasons, but need to set the stage a little bit. As people know, Tennessee, twenty four and a half point favorite for this, and. For those who don't know, Georgia State, in the same way that you do, is somebody who lives in Atlanta. Georgia State was still 12 years away from having a football program when Tennessee won a national title in 1998. That's so crazy. Keep keep that in mind. Here's a Stump Marler question. Who is Georgia State's first head coach in program history? Bill Curry. Oh, you loser. Um, all right. Did not get you with that one. Tennessee's coach on this fine day was Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt enters this game... I don't want to say he had sky-high expectations yeah. because Tennessee was picked to finish fifth in the East. All right, this isn't like we've seen the Tennessee hype train run out of control in the past 10 years. This wasn't that, but there is still an expectation that, you know. It's Tennessee. Year two. Yeah, it's Tennessee. It's it's year two. They're a 24-and-a-half-point favorite against a two-win Sunbelt team. That's what Georgia State was entering this. And maybe it aged a little bit better because Georgia State won seven games in the 2019 season, but it probably didn't help that a couple weeks after this game, Western Michigan beat Georgia State by 47 Ooh, that was, points. That was so. tough. I did not remember seeing that yeah. until I, I went back and watched this. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, that was that was not great. The other part of it was you have the 20, you mentioned the 24-and-a-half-point um, line. I think I, I saw it at 25 when I was listening to like the, the broadcast, right? And the reason they brought that up is because Tennessee had won 82 consecutive games where they were favored by 25 points or more. They had Mm. only lost, I'm looking at the old Phil Steele right now, they had a nine-game season opener winning streak that ended the year before against West West Virginia, but they're 9-0 all-time against current Sunbelt teams and 23-1 in home openers, and the only loss was to Oklahoma in 2015. I mean, this was Cupcake City, baby. This was this was a cupcake game, if there ever was one. This was supposed to be the easiest game on Tennessee's schedule. A, a nice way to kind of ease into the start of the season, and obviously that is not what happens. Um, just a humiliating, humiliating day for Jeremy Pruitt. I mean, just not exactly the type of game that 
you're going to look back on and, and, and have any sort of positive thoughts. And for a fan base that was thinking that, yeah, Jeremy Pruitt, even though they went 5-7 and seven last year, you saw the signs of promise. You yeah. see the game against Kentucky. You see the game on the road against Auburn. And you're feeling like, all right, you know, this is a, a team that, that should be able to win, win 7-8 games. They're going to go to a bowl game this year. And they're going to slowly begin this rebuild back to the top of the SEC East. And then everything changes. And I think it's different when it happens in an opener. Because you spend the entire offseason in college football. It's an eight-month offseason, and I always say yeah. that. And when you lose a game like this, it makes you rethink everything you have been telling yourself for the last eight months because it's a reflection of the head coach, no matter what. Right. And you can, if you want to point to a call here and there, that's fine. But it is a reflection of the head coach when you lose a game when you are expected to win this significantly. And Jeremy Pruitt, he took one on the chin this day. I mean, everyone did. It, it was, yeah. it was, I remember it was really bizarre to watch because I, I do remember now it being on the press box and it was the early game. So it just, it, it never seemed like the crowd was into it. There was a very awkward fire beforehand. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, Ball Navy, like that. some boat like caught on fire, which is just the, the most amazing metaphor I've ever heard in my life. But it was, it was really odd because there was a lot of, like you said, there wasn't that much expectation going into the season but you definitely thought you were going to handle your business in this game i mean people were looking ahead at byu which we know how that game ended as well but i mean if there was a, a tough game quote unquote in the early part of the season it wasn't supposed to be this a, a team that was two and ten the year before um oh and eight all time versus power five teams and for whatever reason it, it just seemed like you have like, well, you probably don't get this because you're a normal, rational person, but I have a lot of dreams sometimes in season where I'll wake up and, and like in the dream, I've somehow forgotten Alabama's playing. And I'm like, wait, what? The game's going on? It's like the third quarter and it's a nightmare. It happens like once every I've had dreams like that. Not for Alabama, but for, yeah. you know, I've had dreams like that with, with Cubs games, with, with Bears playoff games before. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. So I'm not crazy. Good. Um, not. Oh, you are, but yeah, it's I also mean, fair. I am too. I probably shouldn't say that. So... But, like, this is almost what that seemed like. It was like they had just woken up from a bad dream. And, you mm -hmm. know, when you have the entire offseason to work towards something, I mean, everyone's going to say each game on the schedule is the most important game. But it didn't, like, the fans didn't show it. The team didn't show it. Pruitt, it was, it was just weird. It's like they were sleepwalking. His counterpart, Sean Elliott, Georgia State coach, who Best had been working with Steve Spurrier on his staff at South Carolina. He was the interim coach when Spurrier stepped down in 2015, and he finished that year one and five. Um, he, Muschamp actually kept him on staff at South mm -hmm. Carolina in 2016, and then he gets the Georgia State job in 2017. How fitting it was that a, a Spurrier disciple embarrassed Tennessee. And I have nothing against Tennessee, but I would have paid so much money to watch that game with Spurrier. Oh, without a doubt. So much money. That would have been fantastic, because you know that Spurrier was just sitting there chomping at the bit, and of course he trolled... He trolled Tennessee right after. He said, Rocky top might be Rocky bottom for a week or two until they, they win one, I guess. Did Spurrier know that they were going to lose to BYU the next week, too? Because that, I don't, that comment makes it seem like it. I did not. I didn't think that was going to happen. I mean, BYU was a good team, I think, going into last season. But, like, the way they lost it made it even worse. Um, I will say, and we get into this a little bit later when we actually interview uh, the coach from, from, uh, from Georgia State, which is just... Okay, right now. That's the surprise of this okay. episode. So peel behind the onion here. Yesterday, Marler and Will in our group text are saying, hey, we should interview Sean Elliott, the Georgia State coach, 
who um, I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, we, we have to do this within pretty much a 24-hour window right. with the way that things are edited, stuff like that. Practice has just started. Getting an FBS head coach on the phone, not always an easy thing. We've done it before, getting, you know, Moorhead and Stoops and guys like that. It's it's not always an easy thing to do where you can just call them up or something like that or shoot them a message. So Marler is like, Will, Will at first was like, just call him. I bet he'll answer the phone. Marler then ha- took the initiative to shoot him a message, to shoot Sean Elliott a message on Twitter. And, and, tell I, and not like a DM. So yeah. I just I went down to, to Hot Dog Pete's in this uh, place called, in this little neighborhood called Summer Hill in Atlanta. It's right next to Georgia State. And Allie and I went down there last week and we ran into one of the Georgia State players. And like we were getting ice cream, whatever. And so we like were hitting him up. And I was like, you know what? Like Georgia State's not that big of a school. Like, you know, everything's kind of like in, I don't know, like, up in the air right now because of like COVID. Like they're not, they, they're busy, but they might not be super busy. And it's Georgia State. And also, why would that guy not want to talk about this win? So, sure. I mean, that like, that's all nice and stuff like that. Connor was like trying to bring him back down to earth in like the nicest way possible. He's like, I just didn't want you to get too excited because these coaches are not always easy to get a hold of. They're yeah. control freaks. They have very busy schedules, especially when they have players back on campus. It is not an easy thing to do to be able to get an FBS head coach on the phone right. in a 24-hour stretch, and especially just like shooting up a message on Twitter as well, opposed to going through like the media relations staff. Yeah. So, and and that's the most important part because it, like this is going to shock a lot of people, but like of the two of us, Connor is the one that's more professional. So, yeah. um, when he reaches out and he's like, you know, senior national columnist, Saturday Down South, and it, his name is CJ O'Gara on Twitter, that's a little bit different than like. Vern Funquist, <laughs> comedian, <laughs> podcast extraordinaire, fun in moderation. So I was like, you know what? And I can't, I can't message him because he doesn't follow us. And right. so I, I ended up just like, and I thought it looked weird if we did it from SDS, like the SDS account. So I just hit him up on Twitter. I was like, hey, coach, it's Vern Funquist here. Uh, would love to have you on the podcast, blah, blah, blah. Um, like two and a half minutes later, he responded. Okay, like awesome. And then so we just DM'd each other and, and, and set it up. And I, honestly, I did not think it was going to work out. It felt like a pretty big boss move because Connor was like, bless your heart, Chris. Like, that's not how this works. And, and he was right, except for whatever reason it worked this time. Except it worked like that this time. So, yes, we talked to Sean Elliott. I'm pretty sure we became best friends with him. Yeah. Awesome, awesome dude. Great conversation. Let's go to our interview with Sean Elliott, Georgia State head coach. We're now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Georgia State coach Sean Elliott. Sean, it was almost a year ago that your team went into Knoxville and pulled off this massive upset, though your team really didn't make it look like an upset. Rewatching this game, it actually looked like you got the Gatorade bath before the game even started. How hot was it in Neyland that day? <laughs> Well, I mean, if, if anyone's ever seen me on any practice field or playing field, I mean, I do a lot of moving, a lot of coaching, <laughs> with a lot of effort, so I sweat. And, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. doesn't matter if it's November or December. It's the, kind of the same thing with me. But it was, a, it was a good warm day there, exciting, of course, uh, and we were ready to go. And I can tell. I that's that was the one thing I was like, wait a minute, first quarter, it looks like he is already he has already sweat through that that entire shirt. But you were you were definitely moving the whole game. When did you realize that that you had Tennessee right where you wanted them? 
you know, that's a that's a great question. Uh, if you think about from a preparation standpoint, I, I think uh, going into the game, we were very confident. To tell you the truth, it's one of those situations where, you know, we really just uh, identified some of the weaknesses where we thought we could exploit them a little bit, and just went in there knowing we felt uh, we felt we could play with them. To tell you the truth, and uh, we certainly did. I mean, uh, there wasn't a a time during that game where we felt a little bit overmatched or out of place. And, you know, it was a very comfortable game from a, a confidence standpoint. And, and you saw that in the way our team played and, and performed. Coach, as someone that's had uh, multiple run-ins with Vol Twitter, I can't say thank you enough for <laughs> going into Knoxville and winning that game. Um, and I know it was all coaching, so I don't want to take any credit away from you. But, you know, Georgia State being Owen eights all-time versus Power 5 schools before this game. What was the motivational quote or speech or movie from the night before that you used to help pump up the team? <laughs> Listen, there's no speech and there's no there's no motivated uh, motivational video or movie or anything like that that prepares a football team. It's, it's really all about the men and, and just trusting in their, like I said, trusting in their prep, preparation. I mean, those guys really uh, did a great job all camp and we uh, we executed about as well as we could have, and it's it's all a tribute to the men that that took the field, and certainly the coaches had a little bit to do with it. But you know, it's those players; they really just believed and and fought and played an exceptional ball game to pull off the victory. It was a, it was amazing because we we had a tough camp. We always have tough physical camps, uh, and it was no different uh, going into Tennessee last year. But uh, we just felt like as a football team, we were we were much improved. And, and confidence played a big key. We had great leaders, too. Really, really great leadership on our football team. I thought you were definitely going to say you did the Hoosiers thing with Norm Dale where you're like, yeah, the the, the hoop is still 10 feet tall, stuff like that. But <laughs> good, good to hear you didn't need any, any tricks like that because, obviously, your team was ready to go. And I think anybody who rewatches that can tell that this was – this was no fluke or anything like that. And you're, you're feeling good afterwards, obviously. You said something after that win that I think every non-conference coach who beats an SEC team should be able to say in their post-game press conference. You said, they say in the SEC it just means more, but today's game meant more to us. Coming from yeah. all that time that you spent at South Carolina, how much more did that mean to you knowing the landscape of the SEC? Well, you know, it was such a huge ball game, and the fact that it was uh, an SEC opponent, um, great respect for that conference, the teams in it, but uh, but let's be honest, I mean, the SEC it basically runs college football. I mean, it really does. They're kind of the first to, uh, to, to take a stand on something, to issue a statement, to do whatever it is, and they've got great teams and great champions, and but uh, to go in there and, and defeat a, a, such a, in a tradition like Tennessee has, uh, was was really amazing, uh, and, and it did. You know, you could tell on the field when I when I, I truly meant it meant more to us because just the, the you would have saw the electricity and the look in our eyes and what we were doing as a football team. And you know, there's a lot to be said by man's eyes before he takes the field. And I love looking into our players, and you can almost see right into their to their minds, and it, they wanted it. I mean, there was no question about it. It was our time, and it was our day. God, I'm fired up. Yeah, for real. <laughs> um, 
All right, Coach, but be honest here, okay? Because you're, I mean, you seem like a really yeah. cool dude. You're also from South Carolina. I, I have hyperhidrosis. I sweat all the time, uh, no matter what season or, or month. So, I mean, I feel you. <laughs> but if we're being honest, how long do you have that line in your back pocket? You know, I, <laughs> that's funny. That, that's, that, that's always uh, been a question that's asked. And I had, you know, I, I don't think about these things. It just, just came to me uh, right after the right after the game. I mean, I'm going to sit here and say, yeah, I'm thinking up sayings if we beat this football team. Come on now. Uh, <laughs> I just spent a lot of time with Steve Spurrier, <laughs> right? But, uh, but no, it was just it was just one of those things that that, that came to me afterward, and then it was such a fitting uh, statement as well. Okay, speaking of Spurrier, I, I gotta know. I mean, that's that's a guy that you you coached on his staff for a while. We saw what he said. Uh, it was to Andy Staples where he said uh, Rocky Top was, was going to be Rocky Bottom for a couple of weeks. Spurrier had to have called or texted you right after that game, given your relationship with him and really just his love for trolling Tennessee. What did he say to you? <laughs> yeah, he called, uh, I believe, the next uh, morning. Uh, we were back at the office, and uh, he was just hes like, man, that's a, a good feeling when you go up there and beat those balls in, in Knoxville, isn't it? And I was like, oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Uh, it's such a good feeling, and you know, just uh, just small talk. But uh, he was fired up, and uh, <laughs> he was just uh, giggling and laughing, man. <laughs> so, coach, I live in Atlanta. Um, you know, I'm like a stone's throw from from Georgia State. I love what what you're doing with the program, and, and it's it's a really exciting time to see what's going on there, especially with the stadium and all that good stuff. Um, I'm also, I don't want to brag here because I, I don't really have a reason to, but I, I'm a former Fun Belt athlete. Um, uh -oh. little baseball at Middle Tennessee. Tell me what it meant. I know you guys are competitors, but what did it mean for, you know, the league or the other coaches in the league, and what was their reaction from your peers after after that win? Oh, I mean, it was, you know, we've got a, a great group of head coaches in our conference in the Sun Belt, and uh, I think – God, almost all, every single one of them reached out almost immediately, and they're like, "That's you know, phenomenal." I mean, way to way to put our conference to the forefront right there and take a stand on day one. And it was just a, uh, you know, it's, it's it, we're so competitive. You know, everybody in coaching, for whatever reason, I'm telling you, it's it's a it's it's a tough job. I mean, it's 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 hard. But man, when you get a congratulations from your peers and your conference that you're going to go out and play in the next few weeks and know that they were trying to kick your tail. Uh, that's a good feeling. That's a good feeling. But like I said, we've got a great group of head coaches in our conference. Sun Belt does an, uh, an amazing job, and uh, it, it was awesome to, to hear from. And your marketing department, certainly, they knocked it out of the park after yeah. that win. And all the, the, the hashtag with the upset and UT capitalized. I thought it was just, it was it was 101 how to handle a big-time win like that in your program, certainly. Uh, took advantage of it and got a, a huge, huge national following as a result. How much yeah. Waffle House, though, did you eat right when you got back to Atlanta that night? I <laughs> uh, didn't hit the Waffle House, but we got in a little late. And, you know, it's that's one of the things that uh, the best coaches do. I actually sat up and I thought, uh, I think I watched every college football game that was on. I think I even watched the Pac-12 late at night. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it, it was really a, just a... Uh, just a fun feeling to have that evening. Didn't didn't hit the Waffle House, of course. I think we had the Chick Fil A on the bus on the way back, which is always a right. signature for us. Uh, but it was a great evening coming back. That bus ride home, and 
you know, to see the, the pride that those our players had on their faces was, was phenomenal. I mean, they, they in the chest stuck out tall, heads held high, and the way they conducted themselves, uh, the ones that were interviewed, and just uh, just everything about our team was, was remarkable that day and that evening. So, Coach, I, listen, I know as a head coach, this has to be probably the most satisfying uh, win that you've had, you know, in your coaching career. However, you have a pretty – not pretty. You have an incredibly impressive resume, especially when it comes to upset wins that you were a part of. Uh, obviously, Georgia State over Tennessee, App State over yeah. Michigan in 2007, and then the one that I, I, I honestly, as a Bama fan, not my favorite, but USC over Bama <laughs> in 2010. Which one of those oh, yeah. stood, stood out the most? Wow, that's a that's a that's a really good question. Those are all. Unbelievable wins. I mean, when I say unbelievable wins, you you, you think about it. In Appalachian State, we at that time we had sixty three scholarships. Uh, we were a very very talented football team. We had great players. Uh, we knew we were going to be really uh, capable of playing with Michigan that day. But you're playing in the big house in front of you know hundred some odd thousand. Uh, the opening contest, and boy, that was going to be a tall task. And uh, but I would have to say that that game is just uh, probably the most I won't say the most satisfying, but which just was incredible. Because here we are, we're, we're a 1AA football team or FCS football team, like I said, 63 scholarships, and you're going in and play a top-five team in, in the University of Michigan, the Wolverines, at the Big House, and just a stunner. And I think it was the first game on the Big Ten network, uh, yep. or whatever network yep. it is, yeah, I think the first one that day. And uh, it, shook, it shook the world. I mean, honestly, it's uh, – it, to me, and, and there's a lot of others that feel the same way, it is the greatest college football upset uh, in, in, in history. And there's, it, it's, hard to, it's hard to deny, uh, to, uh, deny that. But that Bama win yeah, sure was good. <laughs> oh, Coach, you could have left that out. Come on now. Um, no, yeah, I mean, that you know, that 2007 win, yeah. season was so <laughs> – go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Um, anytime no, that 2007 you, can, anytime was... you can defeat Coach Saban, you know, the, the, oh. it, it is a great feeling. I think they won 30-some-odd straight or something like that. And uh, But, uh, yeah, those are all good wins. It's hard to put one over the top. I mean, we at Georgia State, we, we won our first bowl game uh, in 2017, our first year there, and that's, that's still uh, the most incredible win because it's something we did for the very, very first time in school history that, that people will remember the rest of their lives and be remembered when I say – the first bowl win. Those, those are those are big time uh, times. I, th- I think we have to. We if if Vegas needs to take note when you're on the sidelines yeah. because being a part of those three upsets in the history of college football. I mean, in the 21st century, those are three of probably the top. I, I'd say like five to ten at, at least Easily. of big time upsets. And if you're Pretty just close. on the sideline at all, even if you're even if you're an assistant or whatever, Vegas has to know, man. That spread can't be 24 and a half points. We've got Sean Elliott on the <laughs> sideline. Some funny business is going to go down today. Oh uh, yeah, I've been on the other side of a lot of those uh, wins as well, and taking some losses. But yeah, I've had, you know, whatever it says. I said I must have the luckiest horseshoe. I've got I've got the luckiest horseshoe hanging in my house. I mean. Because we uh, we have had some incredible victories that uh, that just stand out. That just really makes a statement in, in college football that a lot of people remember. Well, coach, we appreciate the time today. We are gonna we have one more thing before we get you out of here. Yeah. 
and that is uh, a game we like to play called Two Minute Drill. So it's just rapid fire questions. Uh, you answer them as fast as you can, and um, we'll put two minutes on the clock, and we'll see how many we can get through. And we are going to keep score, so this is this does count. Are you so, ready? Is, are these questions have right answers or wrong answers? You know, I'm not going to – I mean, how do I answer that, Connor? Like, yes and no. The answer is really no. No, it's it's all opinion-based. Yes and we, no. We'll still okay. keep <laughs> – we, I mean, you could do no that wrong. sounds like somebody's um, saying, yeah, we should have won. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Okay, Connor, put two minutes on the clock. We've got between 10 and 15 questions. Are you ready, Coach? Yes, sir. All right. What is a hotter city, Atlanta, Georgia, or Columbia, South Carolina? Columbia, South Carolina. Yeah, okay, that's a good start. Yeah, that's a very good start. Uh, Go-to Chick-fil-A order? Uh, the number one, yes, Chick-fil-A sandwich, fries, and a sweet tea. Oh, okay, classic, like that. We'll have to a good start here. Okay, better barbecue, Fox Brothers in Atlanta or Pal- Palmetto Pig in Columbia? I'm going Fox Brothers. Oh, okay, that's a, you know what? That's a lot of points deducted there, Coach. Um, that hash from Palmetto Pig was so good. All right, bucket list concert. Ooh, I think I've done them all. I've seen Kiss. I've seen, let's see. God, I've seen them all. I mean, I, I love music, and I love going to concerts. So I, there, there's not one I haven't seen that I want to go to. The, I mean, the correct answer was the Backstreet Boys reunion tour once COVID <laughs> finally, finally ends. So, Mariah I mean, Carey, so maybe. Bad. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I like that. Uh, hey, okay, have next y'all, you guys have y'all ever taken in a Metallica concert? I no. I have. Oh, there you go. That was, they're incredible. Yeah. Um. Okay. Next, all right, next question. Describe Stephen Garcia in three words or less. Three words or less. Uh, fun. Personality. I love it. All right, that's that'll work. <laughs> um, describe Steve Spurrier in three words or less. Genius. Yeah, that that definitely plays. That's a lot of points there. Um, what is your favorite part or attraction of Atlanta? Oh, the music. Uh, the music in Atlanta is incredible. The correct answer was literally anything but traffic. But that plays. That plays, Coach. I like that. <laughs> Um, I know you have. Uh, I know you have two kids. What's your favorite Disney movie? Oh, god! Uh, remember the Titans, a Disney movie? Yeah, that counts. Yeah, there you go. That counts. Um, did you? Were you able to watch Tiger King during quarantine? I did. I did. Okay. And I'm going to go favorite to the favorite character from Tiger King as soon as it opens. <laughs> oh, wow. it has to be. Uh, was it Carol? Yeah. Carol's your favorite. Oh yeah, she's she's, oh, coach. she's got a, a little twisted mind back there, you know. Wait, that's yeah, right. that's one way to put it. Uh, okay, <laughs> we, we've got to know. We've got to know, though. I mean, if you're a pro Carol person, do you think she fed her husband to the tigers? Because I'm guessing you think no. <laughs> to tell you the truth, I could care less. <laughs> it makes me <it> confused. <laughs> You know, that's that's a lot of points. That's such an honest answer, Coach. That's really good. Um, okay, let's see here. What do you miss most about living in South Carolina? Oh, the beaches. Oh, that's a good answer. Charleston. 
Mine was, oh yeah, okay, that's that's a lot of points there. My answer was pretty lame. It's just how easy it was to go to the DMV. So I like your answer a lot better. Um, okay, we got three, three questions left. Uh, what was a more impressive play when uh, Clowney actually killed a person on live TV with that Michigan running back in the bowl game or the App State scoop and I think almost score after the block field goal? Oh, it has to be the uh, the App State field goal, without a doubt. Yes. Without a doubt. Corey Correct. Lynch was the, the guy that blocked that, that, uh, that field goal at the end. And let me tell you, that was no fluke. He did it every single day in practice. We could not uh, keep him contained. Now, he came through an inside gap on that particular rush. But honestly, he may be the greatest uh, athlete I've ever faced in trying to uh, block him coming off a field goal. It was, it was amazing what he did, and it was every day during practice. I tell you what, that that him scooping up that ball was like just effortlessly was incredible to watch. And also, I'm really glad he graduated because I I do not want to see him against Bama's kickers this fall. Um, <laughs> hey, I can said, tell you one thing when he when he did when he blocked it, he, he took off running. See, I was on the far left sideline, actually down towards the end zone where he was racing, uh, but he was racing to the other corner. And so when he got tackled, I was about to midfield. You know, I, I was running out there to jump on top of him. He gets tackled, lands, the ball falls out of his hand. I have a split second to make a decision. Do I jump on top of him or do I go get, in the, get that ball? Because that ball is going to be worth a lot of money. And I jumped on the pile <laughs> and let the ball roll away. And every day I'm like, I should have got that ball. What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Rookie mistake. That's, that's tough. That's, a, that's tough, though. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was my, okay, that we was have my two... coaching mistakes. <laughs> it's still a good day. All right, we have two left here. Um, true or false, I'm going to regret this interview on September 12th, 2020, when Georgia State shocks the world again and beats Alabama. <laughs> there's the SEC and then there's Alabama. Oh, I like that. Okay. Mm. Well, Coach, I mean, honestly, you won us over today. We, I, might, I might actually be pulling for you. And the last question, this, this is worth a lot of points, a little bonus question here. Um, like I said, live right down the street from the stadium. What home game would you like for me to attend this year uh, to give the squad a pep talk and or be your get-back coach uh, for one fall Saturday? Well, if, if, if you definitely, if you're going to be the get-back coach, you want to be at the very first game because that's when it's going to be a little bit nuts because that first one is always a special one. So uh, come on in. I'm not going to let you speak or give any motivational inspiration. <laughs> you, can, you can grab my, my belt buckle and try to pull me back or grab the back of my pants and, uh, and I can slap you away like I do about everybody else that tells me to get back. You know, Coach, that's, slap. that's just so I poetic. Ball the fist up. I love it. I love it. And I'm down. And honestly, telling me not to speak is probably the best advice I've ever been given. Let me add this mm-hmm. up real quick, Coach. That is yeah. that's a new high score. That's 690 points, Coach. That's very nice. Wow. 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 Unreal. Holy cow. This was this was. We need, awesome. We're going to take some of those so points good. to Alabama then. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Oh, well said. Well said. Uh, Sean, I, I really appreciate you uh, joining us. This was so fun to, to look back on. Uh, we're going to be, we're big, we're, we are officially Georgia State fans. And Marler is even going to be a Georgia State fan when they play against Bama this year. So uh, you have two new fans. We are rooting for you and uh, wish you the best of luck this year. I love it, man. I really appreciate you guys reaching out. And, you know, anytime you can talk about Georgia State football and and, and what we're doing down there and talk about our players because really it's about our players, the guys that 
are there working out and doing everything to make those special moments are just uh they're just uh really wow i mean yeah, i wish you could have felt every single one of those guys feelings when they walked in after that tennessee game and in that locker room the smiles on their face the pride uh to have that georgia state on their jerseys and the panther on the side of our helmet uh, it's just an amazing feeling but it's all because of those guys in that locker room chills chills yeah. awesome awesome stuff Coach, uh, we appreciate this, and uh, we're going to have to have you back on real soon. So uh, be well, and uh, best of luck this season. Let's do it. Thank you, guys, man. Y'all have a great rest of the summer. Stay safe, and uh, and we'll talk to you soon. Awesome. Sounds good. Thank appreciate you, coach. it, Coach. Take care. That was awesome. <laughs> that was He's great. the man. He's awesome. He. You know what? There are certain head coaches who, within a couple me- minutes of speaking to them, you realize, ah, they're a little bit buttoned up. They're yeah. not really gonna. They're not really gonna go down that road. He was fantastic, and I love that he was so. He was understanding what, what we were trying to do, honestly. Yeah. And he wasn't one of those coaches who, because there, there's a fear. I mean, we had never talked to him before. There's always a fear that that a coach is going to be like, yeah, you know, uh, win is a win. Just kind of, it's we're, we're excited speak. to be able. To, yeah, it's, it's we expected to win that game. Speak. He wasn't coach speak at all, and yeah. I'm not kidding. I think I need to – I've been saying for a while, I need to find a team to adopt, especially now that Moorhead's not a head coach. Okay. Um, I, I think Sean Elliott might have just done that for us. Um, like, so my dad went to Georgia State. I don't have any ties to Georgia State, but it's it's cool that they are, like, playing in old Turner Field. Like, I love that. Um, I mean, you know, like I, I still like Georgia Tech a lot. But, I mean, I hate to say it, dog fans. I mean, you're now, like, third at best in the state for me. Tech, Georgia, Georgia State. And you know what? We're going to be the get, or I'm going to be the get back coach at some yeah, point. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Maybe um, I, I can be his spin team, something like that. Uh, we can set that up. Yeah, you know, like if, if he has like a bad loss or something like oh, that, okay. then I'm like, oh, hey, y'all remember 2019 Tennessee? I, I'm going <laughs> uh, to befriend him. And then once we like get really close with him, I'm going to like, obviously, he's going to be like very trusting in me. Probably let me know some of the game plan going into that second game against Bama. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to turn it around and let Saban know. We're going to have to have him back on. Without after, a doubt. Before, before the Bama game, for sure. Absolute unit, by the way, too. That guy is Dude, former defensive lineman and looks it. Like, there are a lot of coaches who uh, I see that they were former linemen. I'm like, no, no. Right. You wouldn't have held up. He looks like he could still put his hand in the, in the dirt and make some people move. I thought he was uh, going to come through the phone when you made the, the comment about him sweating so much. And I was like, first off. <laughs> Rude. I sweat all the time. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, like, that, that, you know, he's from South Carolina, so obviously, like, we're, like, that's, like, step one in being best friends he, and now lives in Atlanta. But, like, that resume and just how down-to-earth and humble he was, I mean, like, think about that as, like, a head, like a, not a head coach because he wasn't a head coach at all these stops, but think about that, like, having been a part of three of the biggest upsets in SEC history. Well, one was not the SEC. College football you know. history. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I – if if I was just at those games, I'd be I'd brag about it for a very long time, yeah. much less on the sidelines getting paid to be there as well. So, um, yes, big big Sean Elliott fans, we are absolutely guy that you're a fan of, or at least you were last offseason oh, coming into this game. The A listers, there aren't many in this game. Don't get it twisted, there's not. Jared Garantano, the Tennessee quarterback. Remember how we found out before the start of the year that it was it wasn't Garantano and it yeah. was Garantano. That was that still messes when with everything went awry. We also found out last offseason that Jared Garantano was the number three quarterback in the SEC. Not my best. 
<laughs> not my best. He did throw for 300 yards and four touchdowns mm. in this game. Mm. It still was not great. No. Um, and, you know, I think this year had to be tough. And I, we always praise his toughness and some yeah. of the shots that that guy has taken over the course of his career. You tip your cap to him because not everybody would have been willing to stick around Tennessee and deal with four offensive coordinators in four years. And, you know, he, he, he had to deal with the death threats last year after the Alabama game with the, the play for going rogue on the goal line and the fumble and all yeah. that. He was, I, I'll, I'll give him credit for being kind of somewhat key in the latter half of 2019 where it was like, yeah, he's like our sixth man and they're, you know, they want to get Brian Maurer snaps and JT Shroud and, and it just didn't quite work out to be the year that, that we thought it could be for him. In this game, did he throw the ball over 20 yards more than once? Not I, until I think that last drive in the fourth quarter. And if he did, well, he, it was like a catch and run. Yeah, he had the one to Dominique Wood Anderson where he was just wide open. I don't think there was right. anybody within 20 yards of him on that play. But, like, how do you not let it fly in this game where you just say, you know what? Hey, we have receivers who recruited, who former four star guys who recruited to go to Tennessee, and they should be able to line up one on one coverage on the outside with somebody at Georgia State and go make a play. How did he not take those chances in this game? Well, I mean, so the I hate to be this guy, but, like, the play calling in general was. Awful. Oh, I mean, the, the whole day it was, it was just it was awful, and it was it was weird because it's like it it seemed it was like they never were able to like establish their identity on offense. They could never None get whatsoever. anything consistently going. Um, I mean, there was like you know glimpses of of Jawan Jennings doing Jawan Jennings thing and Marquez Callaway doing Marquez Callaway things, but for the most part, it, it's like I wouldn't put it all on Garantano because one, uh, you know, I can't after making that prediction last year as the third yep. best quarterback. But also, it, it just it seemed like they were so big word here discombobulated. Oh, how many? I have no idea what it means. Discombobulated. Yeah. Don't ask Six me syllables. That's good. That's really good. Thank you. This this passing game looked a little bit like uh, pre Joe Brady LSU. That's what it oh, kind of yeah. reminded me of with some of the sets that they were running and just like man, people want to take a chance. And yep. they obviously didn't have the running game that, that pre-Joe Brady LSU did. So that's why it was just so frustrating watching this and watching Garantano time after time, five-yard hitch, six-yard hitch. And it just puts so much pressure on an offense over the course of the game when they realized he wasn't going to stretch the field. No. And he wasn't, it wasn't that he was terrible on this day, but you needed a quarterback who was going to be willing to, to play with that sense of urgency and be like, we should be able to take some chances in this game. And he was not that guy. It, it was almost like they, they had scripted a glorified scrimmage of, of things they wanted to work on and get comfortable with. Like the second yeah. play from, like, or, you know, the second play of the day, it's it's like a, a swing pass kind of, I guess, to first, a running back. Was it the first play? It was the second play. But it was it was like a swing pass to the running back, and he, he throws it like Chandler, just yeah. a, a a hair behind the line of scrimmage. And was it intercepted or was it just a fumble? It was one of those where he bobbled it, and – it had to have been intercepted because he never, he definitely never had possession of it. Right. But yeah, that uh, the play where he's throwing a lateral route and basically his first, I think it wasn't his first throw of the day. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. It was, was picked off and you're like, uh, all right, this is the off, this is the offense that we've been hearing about all off season with Jim with, Chaney. Like that's exactly that's it? the Chaney thing was, Ugh. was really interesting. And, and I, honestly, I thought the defense looked way worse than the offense, but like the, the offense just, it, it seems like, it, it seemed like they just had no real plan as to what they were yeah. going to do. That, that's, mm -hmm. that's what it seemed like to me.
Juwan Jennings, the Tennessee receiver who just had a weird career, really, really weird career. Solid his first two years as an underclassman. Of course, caught the Dobbs nail boot pass in 2016 against Georgia. Sorry, Georgia fans, didn't mean to go there. But he had that falling out with Brady Hoke after he went on, I think it was he went on Instagram and criticized the, the coaching staff or something like that. And it's like, who's Brady Hoke to kick a player off the team? Like, right. Dude, you're their interim coach. And even though Brady Get Hoke off is. The team. <laughs> Do you think Brady Hoke sent an all-caps text to Jawan Jennings telling him that he was kicked off the team? I, probably, and also it needs to be said that every time you say Brady Hoke, I only picture Chris Christie. They're the same human being. We've yes. never seen him in the same place at once. Very good point. Very good point. Just built for softball. Just big old foopas. Big old foopas. I say that. <laughs> oh, we can say that. That's fine. That's fine. Um, he had, uh, so Jawan Jennings basically gets back onto the team because of Jeremy Pruitt. Jeremy Pruitt had kind of done like a little bit of a, yeah, we'll, we'll put you back on on a trial basis sort of thing. He was able to, to pass all of those tests. It was, it was really big for Tennessee at the time to mm-hmm. be able to get him back because of what he meant. And he was, I thought he was excellent in 2019. And he was really good in this game, actually, at a lot of points yeah. where Tennessee did not have anything going. Finished the season 969 yards. Nice. Eight touchdowns as well. And was... Clearly, the go-to receiver, and man, if you take him him off this team, especially in a game like this, I, that passing game, which wasn't good to begin with, yeesh, yeah, yeesh. agreed. I mean, he was, he just he did stuff. I, I was very surprised that he was not because he he went undrafted, right? He did not. He was picked in the seventh round. Okay, more more thoughts on that later. But he slipped so far because he didn't have a great combine, right? He he didn't he didn't run really well, and, and I think he ran like in the four six or four seven range. Which was to be expected um, for those who kind of understood what you were getting with him and mm-hmm. looked looked really good at the Senior Bowl, though. And that was what I thought looked was good his entire career. Out. I mean, all that kid did was was make plays. And, and, and for an offense that never, like, he was a go-to guy for an offense that didn't have someone to get the go-to guy the ball. You know what I mean? And, like, so he's he's drawing the best defender every single game. Like, I, just, I feel bad for him, man. I agree. The breakout performers. Um, I just put the entire Georgia State team. Is that fair? That's fair, yeah. <laughs> um, um, that's good. Specific, specifically, though, uh, Trey Barnett, the Georgia State running back, who was a senior and was a guy who had never had more than 600 rushing yards entering his senior entering his senior season. And on this day, 107 yards from scrimmage. He had that big go-ahead touchdown. He had a really, really good year. And yeah. kind of, I mean... I, you don't pay as much attention, obviously, in this job to group of five schools who aren't, you know, entering the top twenty-five or something like that. But you know, set a bunch of school records this year, this With past the year. With the Sun Belt in, in rushing yards per game. Yeah, uh, he was a uh, an all all Sun Belt player, fourteen hundred rushing yards. Um, fun fact: he also wants to be an actor, like a serious actor. He takes Ooh. drama classes, and that's okay. that's apparently what he's going to try and do. I think he signed. He's undrafted. I think he signed a undrafted free agent deal in the NFL. But like. It's That's running cool. back, so he'll have a chance to probably be an actor in you know in a few years, and we're going to be seeing him on maybe sitcoms or something like that. So well, he's in Atlanta too, so I mean it's a perfect spot. Exactly. Um, Georgia ran the ball. Georgia State ran the ball fifty three times in this game for two hundred thirteen yards. So and it wasn't it wasn't just the fact they ran the ball that much, and that's that's such a a kick in the kind of in the gut, I'll say, for Tennessee fans because. More than anything, if you're, like for an SEC team, it sucks to lose these games. But if you're getting just like gashed or just consistently run—not run over, but like 
you're not able to coconuts. Get, yeah, if you're not able to get stops, I mean, they had 24 first downs. And it, it wasn't the fact they just kept running the ball. It's the way they did it. And it was just mm-hmm. the way they converted just countless third downs. And, and the way that, like, the quarterback escaped. I, I mean, he was – they made him look like Lamar Jackson light. Yeah, a little bit. Dan Ellington, the Georgia State quarterback, was not – I don't want to say he was dominant in this game because he only completed, completed 46% of his passes. But – he had three total touchdowns in this game, 200 scrimmage yards, and Tennessee just couldn't put him in those bad spots. The plays that you think you got him wrapped up, he would escape, whereas Garantano did not. And he, he was slippery in the backfield and made the plays that Georgia State needed in this game. That move that he made for the dagger TD, oh whew, my gosh, where he just left two de- Tennessee defenders in the dust. I mean, that was like... Oh, okay. Well, and he, That's he was, Lamar Jackson light right there. Yeah, I mean, like, like, his, like you said, like the, the passing numbers were pretty bad. I mean, he, he had he averaged like 5.8 yards per pass, which is not great. Under 50% completion percentage, like you said. Um, but what he was able to do on third down, and what when he when like his team needed him to make a play, yep. he was able to do it. And there was, there was one play in particular with, with Garantano where I think it was like towards the end of the first half, and he rolls out to the right, and, and I think he could have walked in the end zone. And instead, he kind of gets a little bit indecisive, lobs one up, it goes, it sails past, I think it was uh, Callaway, like through the back of the end zone. It wasn't even close. No, no, it wasn't. And like, and then you look at, on the other end, I don't want to get too far ahead of like of the gameplay itself, but late in the fourth quarter, like just, you have to have a drive, you have to come away with points and, and, and go win yourself a ball game. I mean, Ellington was able to do that all day. He was, he was good on this day, good enough to win this game on the road and didn't make those catastrophic mistakes that would have prevented a team like Georgia State from winning. Uh, real quick, Dan Ellington. So, neighbor Terry Wilson is our favorite grill master. Mm-hmm. Dan Ellington's doing my taxes every year. Mm, okay. Um, he, he is actually now a member of the Georgia State coaching staff. He joined mm-hmm. forces with uh, our guy, Sean Elliott. So, he will be scouting Alabama. Fun fact. Um, look forward to that. <laughs> Among the other breakout stars in this game, Brent Somalia. Is that how you pronounce it? Somaglia. No. no. Somaglia. Usually I your second it. attempt is worse than your first. Yeah, yeah. So, so I think it's Somaglia. <laughs> um, let's just call him Brent. Uh, he made three field goals, the Tennessee kicker. He made three field goals and was their most reliable player. He was their only offense when Tennessee went 44 minutes and 49 seconds without a touchdown against a two-win Sunbelt team at home. That's not good. That's no, not good. No, it's not good. Was, you know, um, we, we talked about how great Ellington was, but they only gained 350 yards of offense on the whole day. Yep, but um, made him count. Yeah. Absolutely made him count. Brent, second-team All-SEC guy in 2019, I personally love it when kickers and punters have a bunch of tattoos. Brent has a, a, a forearm sleeve. I think he's got a bicep tat on the other one as Ooh. well. Yeah. Uh, most importantly, though, he had, uh, if you recall, remember this past, like, eh, so this was right around January, December, when all of these, like, kickers and punters are announcing if they're coming back for their senior seasons or not. He was one of those guys. He had one of those unfinished business announcements as a kicker. So, you know, it, it. It's, it takes a special kind of person. <laughs> so, ironically enough, and this is not me trying to shame Tennessee, I wrote down for breakout performers the Georgia State kicker, mm, Brandon okay. Wright. Brandon Wright hit a 48 yard field goal in this Bomb. game. 
48 yards, and it was like late in the game when they needed it. Yeah. It was, it, it was uh, incredible. Gave him, yeah, because that, that gave him 38 points, I believe, right? Yes. Moving from 35 to 38. Five ten, 182 pounds. Just not not a, a huge, big, stocky. He's not a, he's not a Janikowski, but he got the job done, and he ended up getting picked up by the Jaguars. Oh, there you go. Good for him. It's Was nice he... to see people make field goals. Do they have any other draft picks or any any, no. any draft anybody drafted in the first they, seven rounds? So I think they've had five players that have signed um, free agent deals with like since uh, he's been the coach there. And then one was drafted in the first round of the Canadian Football League. Mm. There's that. Shout out CFL. The prominent extras. I've already talked about him a little bit. Jim Chaney, the Tennessee offensive coordinator in his first game back in Knoxville. Pruitt poached him from Georgia, who, let's They didn't want him. They didn't want him, Connor. I'll say this. I know that Georgia fans came out and said, oh, we didn't want him, we didn't want him. If Georgia wanted to keep Jim Chaney... I think they would have kept Jim Chaney. Probably, yeah. I'll say that. They would have found a way to make it work. But both parties, I think, kind of agreed. Yeah, not, not the worst thing in the world to, to move on. New chapter. Um, remember how and many times... It worked times out really before, well for Jake Fromm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let me tell you. Remember how many times before this game I said... Oh, God. In predicting, this would be a Jim Chaney flex game. I said it a lot. There's a nothing lot. about Jim Chaney and the word flex that should ever, ever be said aloud maybe is is coach doug's based on jim cheney oh my god <laughs> no comment i don't know he might be uh how does tennessee run for essentially zero yards in the second half against a two win sunbelt team how does that happen i mean like again even if that's not like the bread and butter of your offense that is so frustrating to watch happen it, like if i mean you it was a close game it, i mean yeah, until the fourth quarter, and then they got put away. Well, I, I'm not ah. trying to harp on this for Tennessee fans. We, I mean, anyway, I know it hurts. But that being said, you know what? Uh, let's let's say one positive thing that I should have said in the last round, but my ADD kicked in. Breakout performer, Henry Tuaoto? The linebacker from California who did not pick Alabama. The former five-star who did not pick Alabama. Well, I mean, obviously, Bama didn't need any help at middle linebacker last year. Like, they were really good and yeah, they're lost fine. in coverage. But, you know, this is one of my favorite players, I think. Like, I don't want to say young players, just one of my favorite players in the SEC in general. That kid is is a stud, in my opinion. I think he's going to be, like, a, a phenomenal player for them, probably a first-round draft pick. He's, he's all, like, he's every bit of the hype that he had coming in. And from day one in this game, he led the team in tackles. He's going to be one of those guys that you look up and he ends his college career with something like 300 tackles or, yeah. or something like that, and he'll leave for the NFL. And he'll say, yeah, he was a, he was a tackling machine. The type, of guy that, the type of guy that Tennessee needs in that defense, and I thought he really emerged well in the latter half of mm-hmm. this year when they, they were, in the first half of the season, they just couldn't get those, those key stops. Right. And that's what totally turned around for this team when they ended the season on the winning streak. And, and he was a, a very, very big part of that as well. T. Martin, another prominent extra, the Tennessee receivers coach who we've talked about. I've, I've said before, I, when we did the, um, the 98 Tennessee-Arkansas game, um, when I said I, I, I felt bad for, for T. Martin, this is kind of a little bit of that because, yeah. you know, you're a decorated national championship quarterback coming back to your alma mater. 
Um, obviously, he was passed over for the job uh, in favor of Jeremy Pruitt, and a year later, he was fired as USC's offensive coordinator. So he takes the wide receiver uh, coaching job at Tennessee. And this being his first game back, a little bit of a reminder of like, mm, even if Pruitt does all these things where he gets the Tennessee fan base back on board with bringing these old guys, these, these balls for life yeah. back, it doesn't always... It doesn't always you know, lead to immediate success. And I'm not saying T. Martin is like the reason that they lost this game by any yeah. stretch of the imagination, but what a buzzkill when you were probably so excited for this game and it had been a long time coming. And then to have it play out like this, I can't imagine there were people who felt sicker than T. Martin leaving this game. So oh, there definitely were like the fans that started drinking in the morning and then oh, had to point. go back Besides to the boat that. that burned down. Um, so it reminds me of so when I was like coming back into my first year of college my girlfriend from high school brag yep um we were trying to like work things out and so we were like like we were back in the same like small hometown in Lilburn. we're like you know like like let's go let's see if this works like let's go on some dates and you know blah blah like we still care about each other so it was my idea to take us to the breakup which i thought was going to be a funny movie with vince vaughn and then we went and saw it, and it was not, you know what? I probably should have known, because it was called The Breakup. Um, yeah, what gave that away? It wasn't great, and that's exactly what this reminded me of. It's just like, not great expectations, but just like, oh, this, it just got worse and worse as it went on. But I will say this, too. I, I feel like we're being, not trying to be negative, because, you know, we're just going over the game as it happened. But so much good came out of this. Yeah, there's something to be said for that. There's and it, something to be said. It's crazy to think that, like, the difference, in, and I know it's been all off-season hype, but, like, think about just the attitude of the fans, the administration, and everything surrounding Tennessee football now versus a season ago when this was happening. Because it didn't really seem like, I, I didn't know if he was going to make it out of year two. Yeah, Pruitt was very much uh, on on all the all the message boards who were talking about Man, can we even win with this guy? And I have some more thoughts on that and the what would have happened if the result was flipped uh, later as well. But yeah, for, for the entire Tennessee coaching staff, you have to be thinking, yikes, this was not how we drew it up. And we, we came right. back to restore this great tradition. And this is this is not going to do it. This is not going to gain us any support. Do you want to feel old real quick, by the way? No. T. Martin's son, Amari Rogers, senior receiver at Clemson. Yeah. T. Martin has a senior, a senior in college. There are there are all fans who just heard that, and I, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to to give you that moment today of Jeez. feeling old. I didn't mean to, but I just needed to be known. I you know, be between known. that and that that viral uh, thread on Twitter yesterday of like SEC coaches as women <laughs> and Jimbo Fisher for some reason looking attractive. I just I can't. I need a vacation. I can't do this right now. <laughs> The story arc, favorite line from the broadcast. And again, we had a limited material to work with. There was uh, Clay Matvick, Ryan Leaf, uh, and Stormy. I think her last name is Bonatoni. Um, I, I I don't know. How do you um, know Guy Fieri's last name? Fieri. But don't know these last names. Because I watched Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives religiously in high school. Very honest and very sad at the same time. Yeah, I mean, we're all there. We're all there. Um, Favorite line? I had two, but I had one really real favorite line. Give us both. Okay, so the first one was, late in the first half, 
I don't even know the kid's name. He he was like he came like off a like a corner blitz, I want to say, and deflected a pass. Um, and they said former walk on, but also former ticket salesman for the program. Oh, that was one of Georgia State's players. And I'm gonna save my other one for last because it's it's the best. Oh okay, all right. I think this actually, you know what? I don't want you to take it. Just in case, I'm, I'm going to say it. This was my favorite. I ha- you can see what I have. It's in the dock. I'm not it's looking right at there. it. No. All right. All natural. It. Is that a thing? Does that make sense? Not Does with this. Uh, so, and I, honestly, this is the petty side of me coming out just because of the week that I had with just interacting with Vol fans on, on Twitter. The comment from, I, what was the guy's name? Uh, Clay Matvick. Yes. was the play-by-play guy. He said, you know, it's, it's been a rough go for Tennessee football pretty much since the late 90s. Mm. That was tough. Mm. That was what Tom Brady attempted to say and yeah. instead said, you haven't won anything since you left, Peyton, and forgetting that they won the national title in 98. Very good point. My favorite line from the broadcast was after our, our best friend Brent, the Tennessee kicker, he drilled a 48-yarder to make it 21-21 to with uh, three minutes left in the third quarter. Or maybe he made it 21-20, to I think that's what it was. And he gives, the camera catches him, giving this like emphatic rip of the chin strap, like, yeah, what? And so Madfic on the play-by-play call says he wasn't happy with himself for whatever reason. He did make the kick, and then Ryan Leaf interjects and goes, I don't know, I think he was pretty happy with himself. It's the smartest thing Ryan Leaf said all day. <laughs> I love it when kickers get so excited. Martin Gramatica is the all-time single best blooper in NFL history for reacting so to reacting that way after making a field goal and then tearing his ACL. I don't wish he, I don't wish anybody get injured, but come on, who doesn't watch that and laugh? Who was who was the Italian guy that won that Oscar that one year for Life is Beautiful and then like went like as he's going up on stage, was like climbing over the rows and like hugging everyone and kissing everyone, just like had this like just ridiculous display. That's exactly what Martin Grammatica, Grammatica reminds me of. <laughs> Every single time, it's like, look at me! <laughs> Kicker celebrations, they're never going to get old. The coldest take from the broadcast. If we had been able to watch this game in its entirety and not just the 30-second clipped version where we only see the real-time plays... I think we would have had a lot more to pick from. Yes. But there still was at least one. And Ryan Leaf, after Georgia State gets off to that 7-0 start, he says, uh, Tennessee would like to believe this was just going to be a preseason game, but Georgia State has different ideas. I don't know if that's so much a cold take. as just a reminder of, like, maybe Tennessee itself is the cold take because if Tennessee was thinking this was going to be a preseason game, which, I mean, on the field, Yeah, it looked like they were thinking it was going to be a preseason game. I think this is just more of a cold take about Tennessee rather than what Ryan Leaf actually said. I I I almost felt bad for the announcers because it was like, at least it was an exciting game and not a blowout. But at the same time, there's no way they could have been prepared for for that to happen. And like, like, you know what, we really need to to read up and make sure we know all the players from Georgia State. And, and, you know, look, this is going to be a good ball game. Um, I really feel, feel bad. I feel like we're ganging up on Tennessee. That being said, my favorite comment was also from Ryan Leaf. Late in the fourth quarter, he says, see what Garantano can do uh, in the face of some adversity. And as he's saying it, Garantano's getting sacked. Um, Mm. And in the following play, he threw an interception. So just, you know, Ryan, knock it off, man. 
it's almost like Ryan Leaf was on board with the belief that uh, Garantano was number three quarterback in the SEC to start the season. Maybe you Honestly, read a little I bit could, too much about him. I could see him making that, that statement. I could easily yep. see him saying that. Yeah. The Jadavian Clowney reminder that normal people don't play this game. Not a lot of examples to choose from. Not yes. nearly as many as last week's when we did 2013 Alabama A&M. But I thought Juwan Jennings at least had some plays where it looked like it took four people to bring him down. Mm-hmm. And he had one, especially in the fourth quarter with 740 left, that you make that play on the sideline and it looks like it's going to be like a six-yard gain and he just finds a way to turn it into 13-14. Right. Like, he, he did that so much that Tennessee fans be, appreciated him because there are certain guys who, when you watch them, you feel like, yeah, that's a guy that, like, there's not another yard to gain on the field. Right. He is gaining every last yard. He's not taking the easy way out or anything like that. I always thought that Juwan Jennings was that type of player. And even though he wasn't particularly slippery or anything like that, he was just going to kind of will his way yeah. to extra yardage. And being able to do that at the college level, even against – to win Sunbelt team is not an easy thing, and he made it look pretty easy. Well, and I think it's that guy is so important to this part of the like where that program is at now and where they're headed. He's such an like an important part, I think, of of getting to where Jeremy Pruitt and the fans want them to 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 be, mm-hmm. because you know, like when things aren't going well and you're not having winning seasons, and you know you're like you're losing to rivals or you're losing to Georgia State, like it, it is it's always makes you feel better to see like that like one example of somebody like not giving up because like i mean do you want to give up as Me, like a fan particularly well i mean yeah you definitely but i mean like like fans in general and like a lot of the fans left at halftime do you blame them no not at all i mean i i i think it's it's so weird because you you know tennessee kind of became like the laughing stock because of this game and then the byu thing but obviously it's it's they were able to write the ship and and this served as you know, something that became beneficial towards the end of the season. I'm saying nice things, just so we're clear. <laughs> Did you have a, a Jadavion Clowney reminder that normal people don't play this game? So the Ellington touchdown run, uh, like the 22-yarder with five minutes left, like to, mm-hmm. to seal the deal. And then yeah. the other one was, I think it was the first touchdown Tennessee scored. The, the, it wasn't like a back shoulder throw, but it was to, to Callaway in the side yeah. of the end zone. That was, that was legit. I don't know how Callaway only had two catches in this game. I don't know how no, that happens. makes no sense. The Trent Richardson, I can't believe they didn't make it in the NFL. I know I've talked a lot about him already, but Juwan Jennings going in the seventh round surprised me. And I think I I really, really do think that he's going to have a chance to have some success in the NFL. Um, Got to a great situation in San Francisco, obviously. Kyle Shanahan, I don't mean to keep going down that road, but, you know, just got that big extension. People like Kyle Shanahan now. I don't know why. Juwan Jennings, just always such a great route runner as well and just so physical, like I just mentioned, and didn't have the blazing speed necessarily. But I, I just thought that after after how well he performed at the Senior Bowl, that that was going to be a guy who was going to be, you know, fourth, fifth round, something like that. And, yeah. you know, you just kind of you plug him in and hope that that guy can maybe be your number three receiver for an NFL team. But apparently there was something that, that the teams were seeing that, that I wasn't. And I don't think it was necessarily just like the incident at Vandy or what happened with Brady Hoke or anything like that. But, um, yeah, Juwan Jennings, if he makes it in the NFL, he will prove a lot of people wrong. Yeah, I had Jennings. And then the other – so since the game happened last year, we don't know how a lot of these NFL careers are going to pan out. Um, I mentioned Tim Jordan, the running back number nine. Mm, yeah. I, I love the way that kid runs, and I brought it up last year. I think it was after the – the Bama game, 
and Tennessee fans told me I was an idiot because he was not a, a very good running back. Um, I really like him as a running back. I, I know they have a, a very talented backfield, but I think that kid could be someone that's that's has has a I don't want to say a breakout year this year, but can do some some really good things. So you haven't seen the latest on uh, Tim Jordan, oh, have you? God, what happened? Um, that's a nice way to say this. Oh boy. Here's the Knoxville News headline on Tim Jordan. Tennessee Vols running back Tim Jordan arrested with load, loaded gun marijuana, police say. Um, we'll cut that, cut that part. I, you know, I thought you were going to lead, lead into that, and I'm not here to, like, call out college kids for, for you know, making mistakes or whatever. But, um, yeah. Just not, not my best. Not, not ideal. Not my um, worst. He had less than 20 grams of, of cannabis. As was I don't understand cousin math, and I don't understand drug math. Yes, you know, or I, square foot math. So, yeah, never been down that road, so don't don't really understand that. But if Tim Jordan is able to play for Tennessee, yeah, maybe maybe he will be. Oh, this was awkward. <laughs> the thing that you didn't know slash remember until rewatching or researching this that Tim Jordan was a little bit, yeah, little bit of legal trouble a few right weeks off ago. The bat. Um, I had forgotten that the the touchdown that that Jawan Jennings scored with two seconds left in yeah. the game made it an eight point game, like. They're an incompletion away, Tennessee is, from losing 38-23, to 23, which for a team that's favored 24.5 points, 25 points, wherever you saw it, that would have been a 40-point Vegas miss if yeah. that had just held at the end. And I think you kind of look at that, and the final score maybe makes it look like it was a little bit fluky or something like that. Tennessee just didn't show up ready to play. Tennessee got flat out beat. Yeah. I mean, they got beat, and Tennessee fans know that because of how disheartening it felt in the fourth quarter to watch that team when, I mean, at the line of scrimmage, Georgia State was winning that battle. And the final score isn't always the best indicator of what actually happened. And I understand, don't give me the total yard stat as the, the total indicator of, of what happened. Stat, huh? I, I don't hate it. I just don't always think it. I don't, I don't always think it tells the full story because I think right. Tennessee gained like 80-some-odd yards on that last drive, too. And that may yeah. look a lot of, uh, you know, definitely different. But I totally forgot that John Jennings scored that garbage time touchdown with two seconds left to turn a 15-point game into an eight-point game. And it really wasn't as close as what the final score would have indicated. Yeah, I mean, completely agree. I had that written down as well. And, I mean, hats off to him and JG for, you know, trying to – for not giving up. But two seconds. I mean, yeah. that's just they're, – they're two seconds away from it being – 30, I mean, a, a, a two-touchdown loss to a team that was 2-10, and ten, so it's crazy. Woof. When the losing team blew it, um, I won't say when Georgia State showed up on the field that that was the moment that Tennessee was in trouble, but there's something to be said for that. Um, the first moment that I really thought was key for Georgia State was going for it on fourth and one on their own 40. Sean Elliott elects to to say, nope, we're staying on the field, um, going against what all the traditionalists in college football would say about, no, just punt, play the field position game. Georgia State in that moment with eight minutes left in the second quarter is down 14-7. to seven. Right. If they punt the ball away in that spot, they're in danger of maybe falling behind a couple scores. As an underdog, Tennessee, I think if Tennessee had gotten that type of lead in this game, it would have been a totally, totally different story. Yeah. And I think that when you're a team that's favored and you're expected to win, you just need to be able to relax a little bit. And Georgia State didn't let Tennessee relax all day. He was not messing around. So they elect to, you know, they elect to, to, to go for it on fourth down and, and they pick it up. 
And then after that, they burn another five minutes on this drive and then they tie it to make it 14-14. And I think that impacts how a team goes to the locker room and yeah. how you're feeling and just, you know, feeling like you're supposed to, if you're up, you know, a couple scores or something like that, you're like, all right, we're, we're in good shape. We're not going to necessarily be nervous in the second half. And, you know, Tennessee just was not, didn't have that sense of urgency all day. But that was the first moment where I really said, yeah, Georgia State is, is not going to go away and they're going to have a very good chance to, to be able to win this game. Yeah, so for me, it was the first two drives of the fourth quarter. Yes. Mm-hmm. Agreed. I, I just, it couldn't be more telling. Um, I think it was six total plays for six yards um, and two turnovers, a fumble and an interception. It just, and that sealed the deal. That play with 719 left, where Tennessee has the ball down 28 to 23, and they're at midfield. So if you're a Tennessee fan, you're like, all right, you know, should be able to take the lead, go ahead, touchdown right here. This is when it's going to happen, even though you're probably nervous. Right. Georgia State sends a corner blitz with Evan Jones, and Garantano does not see it. It's on his blind side, and Evan Jones times this blitz perfectly. perfectly. Just to a T. Hits him right in the middle of the numbers, on the back, and the ball pops loose. Georgia State recovers the football. They take over. That changes everything with this game. Then they score that touchdown, and pretty soon you're like, oh my gosh, this is actually going to happen. Yeah. It was, it was odd seeing, like, you know, like there's there's been, I mean, I remember when Bama lost to um, Louisiana Monroe, and it was like, all right, I mean, they're not going to lose to Louisiana Monroe, surely. Mm. And you're sitting around in games like this, like just waiting for something to happen. But like, there comes a point where you realize like, whatever that something is, it's gonna have to be like, a, from the other team, like a gift from the other team, because there's just nothing going your way that day where you're gonna make a difference. You know what I mean? Like, like nobody on, on Tennessee's team was, was gonna make a play. There was no moment of this game where I thought, oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's Tennessee. Right. If you would have put these two teams in just, uh, you know, white and black jerseys and, and lined them up, I don't think you would have been able to pick out who was the, the SEC school and who was the Sun Belt team. And that's, that's depressing. Yeah, yeah pro- probably just that. But even, even then, like, it wasn't like Callaway did anything particularly special. He had a couple of kickoff that. returns where it looked like maybe he was going to get going and then kind of didn't. But just, just Jennings was really the only guy from that standpoint, who really stood out. Um, Just weird. A weird game to watch unfold. What would have happened um, afterwards if the result was flipped? For starters, I would not have had all of that great it might mean too much content for about a solid month, I think it was. where It felt like we were referencing Georgia State uh, at least, uh, I don't know, like once a week on the podcast, something that Georgia State did, their marketing team, uh, they use that hashtag upset with the capital U and the capital T. They use that to sell tickets. I mean, they used it to, they quote tweeted the Falcons talking about focusing on the Titans. And they quote tweeted it and they say, uh, trust us, it's great to beat Tennessee. Like, that's Savage. what you're supposed to do. And I, I, I know you don't want to hear, nobody wants to hear about UCF. But when you're a team in this position, you got to maximize your time. Yeah. You got to be able to say, this is a potential launching point for our program, and we're going to use this as much as we possibly can. And if you could do it in a way that's fun and not, you know, necessarily totally degrading a program or right. something like that, you got to do it. And I, I tip my cap to Georgia State. 
for the way that they handled it. I mean, I, I don't know. Do we ever find out who paid for that that truck that had the massive TV in Atlanta with that was showing the replay oh, no. of this game? I, I thought oh. it was a Georgia fan for some reason, but I'm, I could be wrong. I think, it, yeah, I think I remember that that too. But like things like that, you're Georgia State, all yeah. right? You're a program that's that's not even a decade old. You gotta be able to 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 use this as a program to show, hey. We are Georgia State. We're not Georgia Southern. Right. This is this is our moment, and we're going to capitalize on it. And you know what? They did. They absolutely did. We also we got we got some great material from the Tennessee side as well. Remember the Tennessee radio host who he stayed on the top of the car dealership until oh, yeah. Tennessee won a game. That was great. I love that. And that's something that you know Tennessee wins this this opening game. We we don't get that. Instead, we have to talk about how long a guy is going to stay on the roof at Tennessee right. and whether or not he's going to, to freeze and die of hypothermia. But that did not happen because Tennessee picked it up in the second half. It, um, they Like, their fans, and I mean this, their fans handled it a lot better than I thought. Yeah, I think, too, yeah. And, you know, they were there way were more people, tolerable at that point when that was happening. There were people who, I think were trying to call them out for their loyalty or not sh- not staying for the entire game. Mm-hmm. That was that was out there. But it's like that is such a deflating feeling yeah. to go through as a fan in college football especially when it happens in the opener. I can't emphasize that enough and maybe we're going to be talking about a team in 2020 in the SEC who we have somewhat high expectations for that they can win 7-8 games and then they lose a game that they're absolutely not supposed to and how a fan base reacts is somewhat telling. And there were a lot of people who were still super loyal with this team even after the BYU fiasco, which yeah. the way that game ended was way more embarrassing, in my opinion, than anything that happened in this game because Tennessee just got plowed by BYU for a walk-off touchdown in that game to lose it. And to me, if you're Tennessee and you're like, wait a minute, where's our, where's our backbone? Aren't we supposed to be the bigger, more physical team? How can we just let BYU come into our house and run us over like that? I thought that was that was embarrassing, but obviously this game had many embarrassing parts, mainly just not showing up to face a two-win Sunbelt team. Wait, Tennessee was, I don't think they got plowed by BYU. They were... The last play of the game. The last yeah, play of the game. But they were up They were up 13-3 to at the half. They were up 16-10. to in the BYU had, BYU had the ball like on their own 20, remember, with like 15 seconds left or something like yeah, that? Yeah, it was and like an 80, 85 yard drive or something like that. And it was, I think there was like 51 seconds. Hold on, I'll look it up real quick. It, it was, hold on. It was it was bad, but I, like, I don't think they got like plowed necessarily. They had. The, the last play was really what I was what I was talking about with that, where like you got oh, everything God. on the line and, and you're, trying to, you're trying to win your first game of the year after what you went through the previous week. And to lose like that where BYU just had all of their offensive linemen push a running back five yards into the end zone and clearly it looked like they wanted it more, that's embarrassing. That's tough yeah, to I stomach. Mean, yeah. God, we're going to get destroyed by Tennessee fans after this. Tennessee um, fans, we love you. We do. We do. So yeah, I'm looking at like the actual like the, the play-by-play from ESPN. That, that might have been a more fun game to, to, to watch. Because <laughs> thanks, Justin. Appreciate that. For, yeah, thanks a lot, yes. Justin. But then uh, we would have never got to talk to, to Sean Elliott and become best that's friends. True. So. Listen to this. Listen to this play-by-play and tell me what stands out most to you. Um, all right, 54 seconds left. First and 10 on the BYU 16. First and 18 on the BYU 8. Second and 18 on the BYU 8 with 31 seconds left. 
Third and six on the BYU 20 with six seconds left. First and 10 on the Tennessee 16. I don't, I mean, how did that happen? That escalated who was, very quickly. I can't, I can't remember who blew the coverage. Was it, I don't think it was Nigel Warrior. Um, I don't was know. It, I think it, was, it might have been. Uh, no, I don't want to throw somebody else under the bus. Yeah, let's it's just, been rough enough. Let's end with some nice things. Um, uh, we, we also would have never had the, uh, the Philip Fulmer rumors, which were great. Oh, were, yeah. Even Dave Hooker was throwing that out there, the, the idea that Philip Fulmer was going to step in and take over for Jeremy Pruitt. There was like a solid month there where uh, that was, that was very that. much the topic of, of discussion. How realistic that ever got, I, you know, I think that's different. I think that's totally different. But at least it was on message boards and stuff like that. Tennessee also would have won nine games this year had they been able to, to win this game. So. Well... I don't listen. Well, okay. I hate that. All right. Because <laughs> maybe, you know what? You're right. Maybe they wouldn't have. Maybe they wouldn't have turned it around in the latter half the way that they did. That's a good point. The player image that we'll always remember when thinking of this. What do you got? Uh, the, the just empty Neyland Stadium. Like the fans leaving. Yeah. Yeah. You've been it's way, those... way more mean to these people than I have. I just, I'm not I trying to that. be mean. I'm not trying to be mean. I, I really, I really am not. Um, that was that was one of the thoughts I had, and then also, uh, sweaty Sean Elliott celebrating and going crazy and just looking for somebody to hug. It was almost I, I realized this is a totally different set of circumstances, but like you remember the Jim Valvano after they win the national championship, after NC State wins it all, and yeah. he's just running around looking for somebody to hug. If you watch the post game celebration, <laughs> the, the the guy who just had a sack in 1985 and he throws oh his my arm gosh, straight yes. up in the air. What's, what's the noise that, that you make? Yes. <laughs> Sean Elliott looking around for somebody to hug. He's just drenched in sweat. He had actually gotten a Gatorade bath afterwards as well. I thought it was just a, a cool thing. And you realize, even though this game meant pain and frustration for, yeah. for a lot of people, there was still a winner of this game and somebody who whose life absolutely changed as a result of And this. good things so. came from it for both teams and programs. Yes. So there you go. Yes, this is true. Let this it be known true. that I was the nice one on this podcast. I, I, tr- I tried to be. I mean, it happened. Tennessee fans get so mad. I know, I know. Tennessee fans, we've done a lot of we've done a lot of very pro Tennessee things though in the last couple weeks here. Although we said that Johnny Majors shouldn't have won the Heisman. Yeah, that was different. I mean, whatever. I I said the other day on Twitter. I'm going to talk about it. I somebody came up with a uh, a graphic. It was like comment, like, or retweet. I guess on Twitter. I I do too. But like. You know who's the best coach in the SEC or SEC East, and it was Pruitt, um, what do you call it? Mullen and um, and Kirby. So I made the comment. I was like, imagine putting Pruitt on here, but not not Stoops. I'd rather Mark Stoops than Jeremy Pruitt, but that's just me. I just meant because he had been there for longer. He's been a head coach for seven years. Pruitt's been a head coach for two, two, and I know he's two and zero oh against them. I just and and they lost their minds over that. Yep, Tennessee fans right now are. Feeling very optimistic about this upcoming season, and who knows how we'll be talking about them, you know, a few months from now, and, and if they're if they're going to be having this, you know, nine ten win season where they do feel like a legitimate threat in the East. Who knows? Schedule is obviously very very difficult, but it's been very smooth sailing since this game, and hopefully this wasn't too painful to look back on. And if it was, you know what? Just blame the Facebook group because it wasn't our fault. Justin Lawnazak, <laughs> I'll give you his address. That was good. 
Um, next week, maybe we will do... I suggested before the idea of doing a cocktail party game, which we're going to do in the future. I don't know if we're going to do next week. There's another idea that we have for next week um, that we'll, we'll have to talk about off-air a little bit. Okay. I don't want to put that into the the stratosphere just yet but we'll we'll get that figured out so hopefully everybody enjoyed this hopefully everybody enjoyed all of our content this past week make sure if you are not follow us on all forms of social media at sds at Vern funquist at cg o'gara at the sds pod at sec football for all of your sds news stories as well marler sean elliott what do we need to remember it's not gonna be Coach O, I'll tell you that much. It it you know what? It just meant more. Well, talk to you guys soon.